The Bible was written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. And when translating from one language to another, shades of meaning can be lost. And what we're doing is we're seeking to recover meanings that have been lost in translation. And we're going to talk about a word, mystery. One of the keys in unlocking the Bible is to understand the concept of mystery. Mystery means something different than what it means to us. When you think of mystery, what do you think of? You think of a story that as it goes along, somebody done it. And so the thing about a good mystery is that you have to figure out who done it. And you're trying to guess, I think it's that guy, I think it's that guy. A good mystery, you really can't tack it down until the end, and then there it is. I didn't know that guy did it. Um, biblically, a mystery is a little bit different. It, it's what, what a mystery is biblically, a mystery is a secret, something that God intentionally hides and purposefully conceals. Again, what a mystery is when God intentionally hides something or conceals something about his plan or about himself. And the thing then with a mystery is that when God veils it, it's not difficult to discover. It's impossible to discover until it's revealed. There's some things about himself that God veils. And the only way we're going to get to know those things that he has veiled is if he chooses somehow to reveal these things to us. We can't figure it out. God must tell us what it is. Um, God's mystery must be revealed. Um, the disciples were acknowledging that Jesus spoke to the people in parables and stories. And the stories were things that told the story, but what the disciples were understanding is people aren't really seeing everything that you're saying. And they asked him a question. Why do you speak to the people in parables? I mean, why not just tell them clearly what it is you want them to know? And Jesus went on to explain, and it's, it's a little bit, in, it's, well, it's very interesting to hear what he said. He replied, the knowledge of the secrets, that word secrets literally means mysteries. Again, a mystery is something purposefully hidden and concealed. And what he says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. The disciples knew that people went away scratching their head. They knew that there were things about Jesus that they were understanding because they spent more time with him. They had the opportunity to ask him questions after he spoke to the crowd. And so they were clear and they understood that people weren't seeing everything that Jesus was saying. And they asked him, why do you do that? Why do you speak to the people in parables? And he said, well, because I have determined and the father has determined and he's talking to his disciples that there are some things I'm going to tell you clearly that I'm not going to tell them clearly. That it was his purpose that some would understand and some wouldn't. That strikes us as strange. Why not speak in a way that everyone sees? And that's the thing about mystery. For some reason, God takes some things 
and causes them not to be clearly understood. And then subsequent to that, he will choose then to tell, and we'll find that uh, the disciples ended up learning some things about God that people prior to these individuals, it really wasn't possible to understand. And uh, God determined to reveal the mystery to the disciples and not to everyone else. Uh, Because God makes use of mystery, Jesus spoke in parables. There are some questions that bubble to the surface. Why would he do this? And um, there are answers to that, but let's circumvent that. Let's step that to the side and let's just kind of bring before our eyes the fact that God makes use of mystery. There are some truths about himself that God purposefully veils. What that means, that there are times when God speaks, and you might assume that he's like this, but he's not. There are things underneath the surface that he is not saying as clearly. These truths are not difficult to unravel. They're impossible to unravel until he reveals them. What it means then is this. God's nature is veiled in the Old Testament. I want to be clear. And again, this might sound strange, but there's, if you look through the Old Testament, in fact, when I was in China, it was interesting because we would talk with those who were, uh, they hadn't been exposed to the Bible for a whole long time. And one thing I've heard time and time again is we can't understand the Old Testament. There's a lot of things that are really hard to understand. There's all kinds of people dying and it almost approaches ethnic cleansing sometimes. There seems to be discrimination in the Old Testament. If you're this type of person, you can draw close to God, and if you're that type of person, you can't. And what I found there, and I think it exists here as well, there's some things in the Old Testament that are hard to understand. Would you agree? There's some stories, there's some way God operates that cause us to be confused and maybe a little bit concerned. If God acts like that, Is that loving? God's supposed to be loving, but I don't understand if God's loving. How could he treat that person that way? How could he reject? How could he cause these things to happen? Um, The fact is, God's nature is veiled in the Old Testament. The, The mystery biblically has to do with God himself. God presents himself in a way, in the Old Testament especially, that gives us clues to what he is like, and yet keeps us from putting the old, the whole picture together. Here's what I'm saying. If our image of God is drawn strictly from the Old Testament of the Bible, we cannot know God clearly. That doesn't, it's not anyone's fault. It's not our intellect. God's not being bad. He uses mystery, and it was God's purpose to express himself in ways that were not would not allow us to see him clearly. We cannot know God clearly apart from Jesus coming on the scene, and he expresses some things about God in a way that had not been expressed clearly prior to that time. If our image of God is confined to the Old Testament, we see, and yet we don't see. We hear, and yet we don't hear. We can know some things about God, but we can't understand him clearly. It's like in the Old Testament, we can understand God's shadow. But again, if you can see, I have a shadow right here. 
And if you can't see it, I can see it. But you know the way it works with a shadow. You can tell some things about me by the shadow. I got a haircut recently. You can kind of tell that, but with a head like mine, that always looks like I've had a haircut, so I can't. But you can, you can tell some things about a person from the shadow, right? You can tell roughly how tall they are, what they're doing. But can you, if you are just looking at my shadow, can you understand what kind of a look I have on my face? No, you can't. A, a shadow doesn't reveal a face. And that's what it's like in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's like we, we get to see God's shadow, his form, but not his face. We can't see God's face until Jesus comes. Now we can see things about God. Clearly, we can understand how God feels about things. If you want to know how God feels about something, look at what Jesus did when he came. How Jesus reacted to people is how God reacts to people because Jesus reveals God. Jesus is God bearing a face that we can understand. Oh, that's what concerns God. That's how God reacts to that type of person. That, and if you look at Jesus then, the only people that Jesus had a difficult time with are those who claimed to speak for God, but misrepresented him. Those were the people that Jesus has issues with. We might think of how does God feel about us? People who were just trying to understand, who didn't claim to have all the answers, they had no problem with Jesus. He was kind and gentle. He was a good teacher. He had all times for questions. But if you claim to be speaking for God and you judged somebody else, that's the time you were going to have problems with Jesus. Um, it says in the Bible that for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But it says, no one has ever seen God but God, the one and only who was at the Father's side, has made him known. Not before Jesus do we get to see God clearly. No one has seen God at any time. When on Mount Sinai, what we are told is God was represented by an angel. Again, it's a little bit controversial, but what it indicates, no one has seen God at any time. And John indicates then that some of God's appearances they were those who were representing God, who were speaking in his name, but God never really clearly reveals himself prior to Jesus coming. That's what John says. Um, so God is not clearly reflected from Mount Sinai, and that's important because the racism and the genocide and some of the difficult things associated with God's proclamations are not reflective of what he is really like. They are parts of the mystery. We can look clues, look at things in the Old Testament, and we can come away making assessments about God that are wrong. Jesus Christ, God the Son, makes him known. God's nature is veiled in the Old Testament, and it's unveiled in the New Testament. Um, Again, there's nothing wrong with the Old Testament documents. They say exactly what they mean to say, but they are couched in mystery. Facets of God's character are purposefully veiled so that they can be subsequently expressed by Jesus. And this is how Paul saw himself. 
says, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. With the way Paul saw himself, the way it worked, if you were a house owner and had a, um, a big house and servants, what you would do then is you as the master of the house would identify one of the servants to be a steward. And what that servant would do, the servant became like middle management. He wasn't the owner and he wasn't just a servant. He was promoted and he was given the responsibility then to take things from the master and give them to the servants in the house that worked in the house. Paul described himself as a steward of the mysteries of God. And this is what he identifies himself as somebody who has been brought into a position where God tells him things and he tells these things to us. That's why his letters are included along with other books in the Bible so that when we listen to these things, when we read the Bible, that's why we talk about the Bible Sunday by Sunday, is that we then can learn some things that were previously kind of made difficult to see, but God gave Paul clarity as one. And now we, as looking and we can learn some things about God that aren't as clear. Paul goes on and, and talks about some of the things that had been made clear. It says in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. God revealed mystery to Paul, and what this means is that he told him some things about himself, and he wants him to tell us about these things. What is the mystery? The mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise that is in Christ Jesus. What this means for us is that Gentiles are in. Um, in the Old Testament, if you were a Gentile, um, you really didn't have much of a chance to be able to get to know God. Look what it says. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. From the perspective of being included in the Old Testament, Gentiles, we were, well, look what it says, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. And if you look in the Old Testament documents, what you'll find is that in order to be able to be included, you had to be Jewish, you had to be a child of Abraham. We might get the sense then that, well, did God really not want a relationship with us? That's one of the things that was cloaked in mystery. It's always been God's desire to give himself and to bring everyone into 
a relationship with himself. Everyone who would hear and believe, again, it doesn't mean that everybody on the planet gets to go to heaven. But when we understand what he says, that God has chosen some to and through whom he can make himself known, but ultimately it's God's desire that he would become one who would give us eternal life. And what he asks us to do is this, to listen to his good news, especially the good news that comes through his son. There is things that you can know about God from the Old Testament. I'm in no way saying that we need to avoid the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells us some things about God. But if you want to get a clear picture of God, you can't just stay in the Old Testament. We have TVs and used to be that we had analog signals. You know, remember in the old days, there were TVs, you had analog signals. And about a number of years ago, everything went from analog to digital. And when that happened, now digital high def. So now you can see things much more clearly. The image is better. Um, And that's the way we are to understand God revealing himself. There are some things we can see about God in the old, but it's like an analog signal. If we want to see God clearly, that's a digital signal, and that's what Jesus gives us. It's like God in high definition, so that we can really understand what he's like. And it's God's purpose, then, not to just reveal himself to one group of people, but to disclose himself to all who would understand that he wants a relationship with everyone in this world, Jew and Gentile. Uh, slave and free, woman and man. Gentiles are not divine afterthoughts. That was one of the difficult things in the early church. Paul, imagine this. Paul was one who, he understood the Old Testament. And he then was tasked to say to the world as one who was a religious leader in Judaism, he was tasked by God to understand that God was it was never God's purpose to only be the God of one group of people, but to be the God of everyone in the world. And Paul then had to go to his people and to Gentiles and say, guess what, Gentiles, you're in. It's God's intent that you would be in his forever family. And that was the nice part of Paul's job. The hard part was for him to talk to his those of his own race, those who had sacrificed a lot, to say, you know what? You get the sense in the Bible that we are the ones that are nearest and dearest to God, but God really has a heart for everyone in the world, not just Jews. And and that was a hard thing for many to understand and accept because it was in the Bible. And that's the thing that makes it a little bit difficult. God communicates some things in the Bible that don't fully tell the story. And again, what we've been saying with mystery is We can't know God clearly until and unless we hear him express himself through Christ. And through Christ, he says he is the savior of the world and everyone he would have to come into a relationship with him. What that means, Gentiles are in and discrimination is out. Again, God does appear to be racist in the Old Testament. I've watched some movies recently. I was um, watched the end of Lincoln. And it was when blacks were being given the opportunity to vote. I watched Selma recently and, and about how blacks were, again, discriminated against. And, and 
frankly, Bible passages were used, have been used, to justify discrimination and to justify racism. And that, if you look at God through Jesus' eyes, that's not justified. In the Bible, discrimination based on race, class, and gender is not how God thinks, not what God's like. Pushing a person away because they're of a different race or a different color, a different gender, a different social class, it's not people try to say, try to justify that type of act, act, that thought in the Bible, and it's, no, you really can't. But isn't it in the Bible? Yeah, but what part of the Bible is it in? The Old Covenant, and is God crystal clear about how he reveals himself in the Old Covenant? And the answer is, it's not. It's not. God doesn't reveal himself as clearly in the Old Testament. He reveals himself clearly in the New. And when you take the Bible as a whole, discrimination based on race, class, and gender, no. No, it's, it's not what God's will is. It's not God's purpose. He's inclusive. Um, these pronouncements do not reflect God's character because God uses mystery. Uh, and again, so what does this have to do for us? Why do we need to understand mystery? Um, we might be, as Gentiles, confused or concerned that we might be second-class spiritual citizens. Uh, we might feel like we're divine afterthoughts, you know, that God really likes these people, but then they drop the ball and now we're included. That was never God's intent. It was always God's intent that this world of people, Jew and Gentile, would be able to be included in his forever family. And God would have you understand that his heart is open. He would have, he would be your father, not just in this life, but all time. And that's something good to know that, that we can come to him. We can open our heart to him because he's opened his heart to us. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thanks for revealing yourself to us. If you didn't cause writings to be preserved through the years, we would have no way of knowing you. We would assume this and that, but we would have no clear way to read and hear and think. But you have caused your words to be preserved. So now we have the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. And in these writings, we get to listen to people who have talked about you. In the, in the Old Testament, we learn some things about you. We learn about holiness. And, and we learn about that you have selected people to and through whom you introduce yourself to the world. But in the New Testament, we understand something that is brought into more clear focus that you would, you are the God of the world, and you want to have a relationship with us. Thank you for sending Jesus and for, through Christ, providing a way that we can be members of your forever family, as we believe that you sent him to be our, the Savior of the world, we can believe that that includes us. And that is the way we become members of your family. It's through believing. Thank you for the good news that you sent Christ to be our Savior, that he opens the door to an eternal relationship, 
that when we believe that, you would have us understand that we're in. We're not discriminated against. We're not outsiders. And you would want us to to know you and understand your love for us. And understanding that love causes us to become more Christ-like. In Jesus' name, amen.